Never be the one who says, I have no idea. Unlock the full picture and get unlimited access to unique data and respected business journalism that advances your understanding and business. Subscribe today at housingwire.com slash membership. Welcome, everyone. Today on Housing Wire Daily, I'm joined by reporter Connie Kim to talk about the rise in mortgage fraud and also some larger housing market themes on consumer confidence and affordability. Connie, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me again, Sarah. It's always great to have you. So I wanted to talk about some of your recent articles. One of them that caught my eye was from CoreLogic, um, some of their uh, studies that showed that mortgage fraud risk is increasing. So would love to kind of talk to you about that, about why that is and, and what that looks like. So um, why do you, you know, why is it that mortgage fraud risk is increasing right now when we have less mortgages being originated? Yeah, so what CoreLogic is saying that um, there have been more purchase zones with the uh, mortgage rates going down, and they're saying purchase zones, which account for more mortgage transactions and refis, are more susceptible to fraudulent activity. And if we look at specific sectors of mortgage fraud, risks of income fraud and risks of property fraud rose the most. Um, They rose both more than 20% in the second quarter of this year, posting the largest year-over-year increase in the second quarter of 2022. I think it's really interesting to think about, you know, the the risk of income fraud. So that really comes from like doctored pay stubs or W-2s, uh, or there might be, you know, like using false information with seasoned bank account information. One of the things that is interesting is, you know, the, the loan kind of the loan products we have today are much less risky than in the past. But if someone is fraudulently fraudulently claiming they make more income, I mean, this is this is where the Achilles heel is, right? And right now, when you have um, house prices increasing, mortgage rates increasing, then people, you know, maybe are priced out of what they had. But I still think that you know the number of people who are going to risk that seems seems low. At, like your typical homeowner to me is not somebody who's going to like, oh, I'm going to go ahead and do this. It seems more like these are actual fraudsters who aren't your typical homeowners just trying to qualify for for a bigger loan. Yeah. And I just want to highlight um, some of the mortgage fraud problems that we've seen from the Department of Justice. Um, just last month, uh, we've seen former executives of mortgage lender Vanguard Funding um, were sentenced to more than 18 months for pocketing millions of dollars from um, claiming that the loan proceeds would fund home mortgages and refis. And in a separate incident, we saw a real estate investor. He was convicted for inflating a debt amount of $915,000 in a $1.3 million refi mortgage loan secured by a former city official in San Francisco. So it really spans out in multiple horizons. And we are expecting to see more of these mortgage-related frauds in the coming months as we see um, these purchase zones kind of taking over uh, the mortgage origination market. It's funny to me. So, you know, I mean, I I can't imagine trying to get away with these things. But I mean, especially that first one where they're pocketing warehouse loans. So they, you know, they they're they're borrowing it. I'm from the warehouse lender and then saying, oh yeah, we're using these for mortgage loans, refis, whatever. And then pocketing, it's like, how did you think you're not going to get caught at that? (laughs) Like, I don't understand. Um, So yeah, we definitely, you know, there's, there's all sorts of people trying to fraud the system, to defraud the system, whatever. Um, I also think that, you know, I know when I got my mortgage loan, one of the things that was new this time around was that they called our employers. We had to provide proof from our employers that we were able to work remotely. So 
we were selling a house in Texas, buying a house in Kansas. And so uh, my husband and I, both of our employers had to verify that we were allowed to do that. Because you can imagine that people are like, oh, I'm buying this house and here's my job. And it's like, but if the job hasn't given you permission to move remotely, you're actually going to lose that job and lose that income. And that's obviously been a problem or they wouldn't have, you know, put that overlay on there where now you have to uh, confirm, have something from your HR or they need to call to make sure that you are allowed to work remotely. So I thought that was really interesting. So we have um, two of the other stories that you've recently done. You do stories every day, but um, we're really focusing on the housing market and the housing market as a whole. Everyone's very interested to see, you know, where are we going, especially with costs and what's happening. Um, one of them was the Fannie Mae's Home Purchase Sentiment Index, and it showed that Americans are deeply pessimistic about the housing market. So tell us what that uh, sentiment index found. Yeah. So basically, as you pointed out, Fannie Mae's Home Purchase Sentiment Index, it tracks the housing market and consumer confidence to sell or buy a home. Um, it's dropped again in August, which marked the sixth consecutive decline And what Fannie Mae says is the main reason is the high home prices and mortgage rates that are continuing to go back up. Um, And if we compare this to the same period last year, it's basically down 13.7 points, which show how pessimistic Americans are about the housing market right now. Really makes sense. I mean, you think about this, like, first of all, mortgage rates have gone, you know, the they didn't just rise, they rose very sharply. They came off of a historic low and they, you know, went up so fast that it really caught people off by surprise. Everybody, I mean, lenders, everyone, we all knew they were going to go up. We did not know they were going to go up that fast. So you have that, which is sort of a shock. At the same time, we haven't, you know, your next story is about price corrections, but so far it's not like prices have fallen a lot at all. So there really has been this imbalance of like, we have these higher mortgage rates. We know that's going to affect prices at some point and it and it is, but not in not to where it's like, oh, they have, you know, decreased and and offset the the mortgage rates rising. So I, I understand why people feel pretty pessimistic about the housing market right now. And not to mention there are a ton of people who make their living scaring people about the housing market. It's one of the things that we've noted for years, for as long as I've been at Housing Wire, one of the most searched terms is housing crash and then whatever that year is. So housing crash 2013 when I joined, housing crash 2014, every single year since then is one of the highest search terms that we see. And that's not just us, that's across the board. Google sees that, which is really sad, right? I mean, we did have a housing crash following the financial crisis. It was all mixed up in there. But since then, we have not had a housing crash and we do not see one coming now. We have lead analyst Logan Motoshami on twice a week to really walk us through what to expect. But we're not even seeing, um, you know, the the first part of that. So uh, it's interesting to see how pessimistic people are. But you can understand if you are a seller who saw, you know, the people around you, you know, you heard these stories of 25 people online making multiple offers. Well, that's probably not happening in most markets now, right? I mean, you might have multiple sellers, but you might have two or three, which is still um, historically a really high number. I mean, normally you just kind of have a, you know, a more even market, but if you saw all that and then you see the current market, you can feel really pessimistic, right? And you might have to be more realistic about your, about your home prices. So, um, I, I do a, an appraisal newsletter. I talk to appraisers. Um, I follow Ryan Lundquist, who's an appraiser in Sacramento. And what he's saying is that it's really hard for home sellers to kind of adjust to this new market. Like, 
they're not like us. They don't look at it every day. They don't, you know, pay attention. And so they're like, wait, my neighbor just sold for like this incredible amount two months ago. And I was like, okay, well, two months ago is like, or, or in the spring is like a lifetime when it comes to mortgage rates and how high things have gone. So I do think that, um, you know, you can understand where there's some pessimism coming in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we did see uh, home prices fall in July. Um, it was a quite marginal fall. It was below 1%, 0.77% in July. Um, but with home prices expected to moderate over the forecast and economic uncertainty heightened, Fannie Mae expects both home buyers and home sellers uh, to remain on the sidelines. For example, home buyers anticipating home price declines and potential home sellers, they're not keen to give up their lower uh, fixed mortgage rates, which are going to co- be contributing to a further cooling in home sales through the end of the year. One of the trends that we see is because people are locked into some, such low rates, they, they're not going to put their, they're not as easily going to put their house on the market because then they have to go and get a higher rate for their next mortgage, right? And so that's one reason keeping, um, one factor, keeping prices unusually high when you consider, you know, everything else that's happening. And that's because there's just so little inventory, so little. So Mm-hmm. Let's talk about um, one of your other, other stories, which was expect more price corrections to the housing market. And that's based off of Black Knight data. So tell us about that. Yeah. So um, like I mentioned just briefly, um, home prices in July, they slipped about 0.77% from June, um, which marked the largest single month decline since January 2011. Now that's more than 10 years ago. But looking at the home prices year over year, it grew 14.5%, which suggests that home prices are still high. And Black Knight is saying that more than 85% of major markets have seen prices come off their peak levels, mainly in San Jose. California, um, San Francisco, San Diego, Los Angeles, uh, mainly in the West Coast. And it is also expecting that tappable home equity. That's also going to be pulling back in the third quarter um, as equity rich markets have already seen declines um, in July. I think it's really interesting when you look at where those home prices are down. Like you said, San Francisco, um, San Jose, San Diego, LA, um, add to that Seattle and Denver. But wow, those markets have gone up so much in the last two years that like, say, if we take Seattle, okay, it's off 7.7%. But when you think about where it's gone to, that's, that's really not even level setting back with 2019 prices. I mean, through the pandemic and through last year, um, through the first part of this year, you know, 7%, if we look at uh, LA, it's, it's a decrease 4.3% and Denver's down 4.2%, but both of those markets red hot, super white hot all the way through the pandemic and, and the early part of this year. So you think four, 4%, 4 people will take it, right? I mean, yes, let's see uh, those home prices drop a little bit there, but compared to that run up in prices, it's not much. You think about there are uh, markets in Florida, especially Tampa, in this year, this year up over 30% over last year, which last year they were up some incredible amount. So, you know, when you think about 4% or 7%, um, it is starting to eat away at that, but it has a long way to go, I think. 
Yeah, um, but there is a good part of this. Um, Black Knight is saying that the housing market is on strong footing to weather a correction. So when they take a look at the total market leverage as of the second quarter, that's including both first and second liens, it was just 42% of mortgaged home values, which is the lowest on record, actually. So even if the national home price declined about 5%, it would only result in less than 1% of homes becoming underwater. So we are, well, according to Black Knight, we are in a pretty good um, standing here right now. So um, we'll have to see how, you know, home equity and home prices decline in the further months. Um, And another interesting thing I wanted to point out is that home equity levels are still high, although Black Knight is expecting it to come off from its peak levels um, in the previous quarters, um, you know, and we've seen a lot of mortgage lenders introduce home equity loans and home equity line of uh, credit products. So we'll have to see how that front is going to be affected um, to the consumers and the borrowers. We've seen a lot of interest there and understandably, right? So when you have people who really, like we said, maybe you're, you're seeing such a drop in the volume of originations for new, you know, for, for purchase market. But when you think about, you know, the tappable equity, it's no wonder that Rocket, um, Rocket Pro TPO started offering home equity loans um, in August. Guaranteed rate um, has introduced a digital home equity line of credit. Um Loan Depot, New Res are just some of the others that have done that. And so it makes all the sense in the world because it's like, this is where people, you know, they can, they can get that equity out of their house to do repairs. Because if you are staying in your home longer, if you're, if you're like, Hey, with mortgage rates and, and home prices going like this, I'm going to be here for a while. There's a lot of incentive then to go ahead and fix up your home, get it to be just the way you want it. Cause you might be there for years and you know, you have this, this money sitting in your house. So I do think we're going to see a lot more of that. It's sort of the bright spot in this particular market. Um, and we're seeing that with reverse too, because reverse mortgage loans, um, you know, are set up different than forward mortgage and the more equity you have in your house, the better that is for you as a consumer. So we are seeing that, that silver lining, um, as far as, you know, the fact that home prices have grown so much over the last couple of years, it does mean that people have a lot of equity. Yeah. And because the origination market is shrinking, uh, these lenders are taking advantage of the high home equity levels, which were traditionally a space dominated by depository banks. And I'm guessing a lot more mortgage lenders are going to be jumping in on this trend. So we'll definitely have to um, you know, monitor what kind of other products um, lenders are going to be uh, rolling out in terms of um, HELOCs and home equity loans going forward. You've done a lot of really um, interesting work uh, in the last couple of weeks. You've done some layoff um, coverage, freedom mortgage. That was really um, interesting and also just hard to find out because, you know, these companies, um, they're not super excited about talking about layoffs, which we totally understand, but also understanding how companies are really reacting to um, the current market. We know that they have to make cuts where they can. They have to um, figure out how their business is going to survive. So you've done that. And then one of your uh, recent stories was about UWM and their strategy um, in this time to really take advantage of, um, you know, their sort of their war chest that they have after going public and that they can cut their prices. And they're, they're doing an all-out price war. And as a result, we have seen some pretty big reactions in the other wholesale lenders. 
Yeah, so I think the harsh reality is that the origination market has just plummeted as as mortgage rates have gone up. And the problem is that a lot of the wholesale lenders who aren't as big enough as UWM and who aren't enough, who aren't capitalized enough are going to be uh, facing the harsh reality of not being able to gain a lot more margins, not being able to cut prices as much as UWM. So as a result, we've seen a lot of mortgage lenders um, exit the channel. We've seen Loan Depot exit exiting the wholesale channel. We've seen Amerisafe's wholesale channel. They've exited um, offering uh, mortgages to brokers. So we are going to be seeing a lot of those um, going forward. And a lot of the wholesale lenders that are still in the business, they're, they're going to be cutting a lot of their headcount. For example, um, HomePoint, which single-handedly deals with um, wholesale wholesale mortgages, they've actually cut about 75% of their headcount over the past 12 months. Um, I don't think this is an issue only for HomePoint. I think it's really the tip of the iceberg. And what we're going to be have to be looking going forward is whether um, it's going to take a lot more time for brokers to actually close these loans because they're going to have less staff in terms of underwriting and in terms of closing. So a lot of the problem here is, you know, the, the shrinking origination market and increased competition among the lenders. It's a great point on that. Like, you know, do brokers lose some of their advantage if, in fact, you know, lots of wholesale lenders then are, are, are shedding staff? I would like to point out that HomePoint, um, I believe some of that, it wasn't they laid off all of that staff. Some of that was um, as they sold off different divisions of their company, I believe. Um Either way, we know it is a challenging time for anybody in this business, but especially in wholesale. So, Connie, I appreciate your reporting and thanks for coming on to tell us kind of some of the things you're looking at. Thanks for having me again, Sarah. have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to HousingWire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.